0: Love Talk Radio.
1: I'm addicted to this stuff. I'm so sorry, but uh, health geek, uh, health policy wonk wannabe, call it what you want to, but today it is um, broadcasting from San Diego. It is March 31st, one day before April Fool's, which is interesting, Uh, and um, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Administration by HHS released the... um, Regs for accountable care organization today, and I, when I say regs, it's the initial release of a notice of proposed rulemaking. So there'll be a comment period, but make uh, be it well known that these were forged with all sorts of uh, collaboration with uh, the healthcare community. So uh, it should be a fairly good starting point. Anyway, I'm going to just rebroadcast a conversation that took place earlier today. Um, it was the context and background piece that was offered for the, um, I, I'm, I'm having a little bit of a distraction here, but for for the actual uh, conference call and uh, the set of documents that was published in the Federal Register today. So, with no further ado, let me dial this in and we can listen. It is an excellent context call, uh, overviewing uh, the, um, the document. Okay, listen in. Let's dial in now. What happened there? Hold on, bear with me. It should have redialed. Technical difficulties. Hold on, folks. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Here we go. All right.
0: Replay of the Office of Public Health and Science conference call that took place on March thirty first, two thousand eleven. To back the conference up thirty seconds, press seven. To pause the conference, press eight. To resume the conference, press eight. Or to fast forward the conference, thirty seconds, press
3: nine. At this time, all parties are on a listen only mode. However, we will be doing a question and answer session today, at which time all parties will be asked to press star one to ask a question or comment. At this time, I need to remind participants today's conference, it is being recorded. If you have any objections to this recording, now would be the time to disconnect. We'll go ahead and get today's conference call started. Starting off with Mr. Keith Maley, sir, you can begin.
4: Thanks, everybody. This is Keith Maley with HHS Public Affairs, and thanks, everybody, for joining this morning. Uh, Today we're discussing the proposed new rules regarding accountable care organizations. Uh, This call is on the record, and we just ask that you embargo any information until 11.15 a.m., and we ask because that is when the proposed regulation will post in the Federal Register. The call is recorded and will also be available on replay about an hour after it finishes, and I'll give you a phone number for that. It's 866-517-3730. And this morning, we are joined by HHS Secretary Kathleen Sebelius, CMS Administrator Dr. Don Berwick, from the Department of Justice, Assistant Attorney General Christine Varney, from the Federal Trade Commission, Chairman John Lebowitz, from the Department of Treasury, Emily McMahon, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Tax Policy, and from the HHS Office of Inspector General, Dan Levinson, the Inspector General. Uh, This morning, Secretary Sebelius will give some opening remarks, and then she will need to depart, and Dr. Berwick will continue the call and be available for questions along with our colleagues from our federal agencies. So with that, I'd like to turn this call over to Secretary Sebelius.
5: Well, good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining us today. Um, Today, we're pleased to be announcing our latest step as part of the Affordable Care Act to help America's doctors, hospitals, and other health care providers deliver more effective care. The proposed rules we're releasing today will guide doctors and hospitals as they form accountable care organizations, allowing providers to work together to coordinate and improve care for their Medicare patients. Now, we've known for a long time that too many Americans fail to get the best care when they walk into a hospital or doctor's office one in every five Medicare beneficiaries who leaves the hospital is back within 30 days. And in many cases, it's because they failed to receive the correct follow-up care. And among Medicare beneficiaries who have been admitted to a hospital in a given year, one in seven suffers a harmful mistake. For some patients, an error may simply mean they spend more time in the hospital away from their family For others, like the nearly 100,000 people who die each year from infections they get while receiving care, the cost is far higher. These results are unacceptable. But when you look at how our healthcare system works, unfortunately, they're not surprising. Today, the average patient is much more likely to have complex medical needs that require care from many different providers. For example, more than half of Medicare beneficiaries have five or more chronic conditions including diabetes, arthritis, hypertension, and kidney disease. So to provide the best care for these patients, doctors, nurses, and other health care providers must work closely together to coordinate care. They also need to follow up with patients to make sure they're taking the day-to-day steps they need to stay healthy. But today, the fragmented way we pay for care often stands in the way. There's often no compensation for the kind of conversation among doctors and between doctors and their patients that are critical to improving health. In some cases, the incentives are even more perverse. Hospitals that provide high-quality follow-up care to make sure patients are not readmitted actually make less money than ones whose patients are back a week later. For patients... In the best case, the fragmentation can mean having to repeat the same health information over and over again. And in the worst case, it means getting the wrong care. For health care providers, it can mean it's difficult to practice medicine the way you want to. And for our health care system, it means duplication and waste, which drives up costs, putting a growing burden on families, on business owners, and on government budgets at every level. And it doesn't have to be this way. We know it's possible to improve health and reduce costs by coordinating care better because doctors and hospitals are already doing it in pockets around the country. But in the past, those efforts haven't received enough support from our federal payment system. Under the health care law, that's changing. The rules we're proposing today will help teams of doctors, hospitals, and other health care providers form accountable care organizations where they'll be able to take full responsibility for the health of their patients. And in return, if they meet the tough standards for healthcare quality, they'll be able to share in savings that come with improving care coordination and improving health. Now, this will align the way we pay for care with the kind of care we know is the most effective. As part of an accountable care organization, a hospital that follows up with a patient to make sure she gets the right wound care can share in the savings that comes when that patient has a successful recovery with no readmission. A doctor who calls her patient with diabetes once a week to help him manage his blood sugar can benefit when that patient stays out of the emergency room. And Medicare will save, too. Altogether, estimates show that accountable care organizations could save Medicare as much as $960 million over the next three years. As we develop this program, we're committed to getting the details right. That's why we've had months of conversations with doctors, hospital leaders, health plans, patients, and others before we release the rules we're proposing today. And in the months to come, we'll be holding a series of listening sessions to explain the proposal and encourage people to provide feedback through our comment process so we can make the rules even stronger. I want to acknowledge our great partners in the Department of Justice, the Federal Trade Commission, and the IRS who work closely with our department to gu- develop guidance on antitrust and tax issues related to the formation of ACOs. The rules we are proposing today are just the first step in a long process. And even after doctors and hospitals begin forming accountable care organizations, we know there will be more work to be done to make sure they're as successful as possible. What we know, however, is that we need to bring the days of fragmented care to an end. That's why, as part of the Affordable Care Act, the new health care law, we're pushing forward not just with accountable care organizations, but with a range of other reforms that will support the efforts of healthcare care providers to improve coordination, reduce harmful errors, and eliminate duplication. Last week, we unveiled the first-ever national quality strategy for improving care and bringing down costs across the country. And a new innovation center at Medicare and Medicaid is already supporting promising models across the country for accomplishing these goals. For way too long, the federal government has been a bystander and in some cases a barrier, while others work to improve healthcare delivery system that frustrates providers and fails patients. With the new tools in the Affordable Care Act, we're putting our full support behind efforts to improve care, the result will be healthier patients, more satisfied health care providers, and lower costs for families, business owners, and seniors. Again, thank you for joining us today. Thank you to all who have worked on this great project. And I want to turn over the call now to Dr. Don Berwick, our great Administrator for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Dr. Berwick.
6: Thank you uh, very much, Secretary Sebelius. Uh, Let me build uh, briefly on uh, the Secretary's comments, and then we'll take a few minutes to talk about some of the specifics in the proposed uh, rule. The Secretary gave the background. The Secretary mentioned our current healthcare system is fragmented, It developed in pieces, hospitals, office practices, home healthcare clinics, and these pieces have not had conscious or well-designed connections among them. Uh, Fragmentation of payment, especially fee-for-service payment, reinforces that fragmented care, and patients and families and providers pay the price for this fragmentation. Uh, Tests get repeated unnecessarily. Uh, Patients uh, wander from one specialist to another without uh, sufficient coordination. It's easy for patients to get confused and to feel lost. Uh, We can do better, we can do much better. Throughout America, many, many healthcare organizations have learned how to function in exciting and productive ways of services quality measures, including patient-centered care, uh, care coordination, uh, patient safety, and preventive health. Overall, ACOs aren't just a new way to pay for care. They're a new model for the organization and delivery of care under Medicare. For uh, more information on the proposed rule, you can visit the CMS and HHS websites. Uh, I'll also mention that I have an article now, a short piece on the proposed rule in the New England Journal of Medicine that's available on their website uh, today we have as the secretary said conducted numerous listening sessions and meetings that have informed this uh, proposed rule and we're looking forward now to more input during the comment period and we really encourage everyone to submit comments uh, through the formal process as we move toward the final rule Uh, thank you and i look forward to answering your questions
4: Thanks, Jeannie. At this time we're happy to take some questions uh, directed to Dr. Berwick or any of our uh, federal agency partners.
3: Okay. At this time I'm going to go ahead and ask participants to queue up for questions by pressing star 1 to ask a question. Please state your name and your organization at the prompting. Once again, name and organization will be needed for today's conference call. Once again, star 1 to ask a question. Star 2 to withdraw a request. And please stand by for the first question. One moment. First up is Ricardo Lonzo Zaldapar with AP. Sir, your line is open. Go ahead.
7: Okay. Thank you. uh, And thank you for taking my question. Um, I was wondering if you could go over the savings estimates again. Is there a range? And could you please explain how they work and uh, what the range is?
6: Sure, Ricardo, there is a range uh, modeled by the Office of the Actuary as we prepared the pro's proposed rule. I'm joined here by, by my colleague John Pilot from the Center for Medicare who's been had a, a strong hand in helping to create the rule and John add some details um,
7: sure uh, we worked uh, closely with the Office of Actuaries um, to model the estimated program impact and as the secretary uh, mentioned the uh, uh, there is a range there's a median estimate of uh, that we've uh, uh, placed at $510 million of the likely impact of the program, but there is significant uh, uh, variation around that, and it could range up as high, up as, high as $960 million, as uh, the Secretary pointed out, and the assumptions in, in more detail are that
6: that they're receiving, and it's done retrospectively. There's a retrospective alignment. Beneficiaries don't enroll or sign up for an ACO, as you point out, the the provider does. Under the rule, the provider uh, who is forming the ACO is required to inform the patients that come to that provider that they're a member of the ACO.
3: Are you ready for the next question?
6: Yes, thank you.
3: Okay, continuing on with uh, Matt Tobias with the National Journal. Go ahead, sir.
7: Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I want to do a, a quick follow-up on Ricardo's question. I hope I, I get to uh, the heart of his follow-up, and then I have one of my own. Uh, J- uh, John, when, when you're talking about the median estimates of $510 million, uh and uh, having those numbers maybe ranging up to $960 million, is that are we talking about the savings that the, the benefits or, or the providers who form the ACOs can reap? is a proposed rule, and I'm curious, could you take us inside the conversation of why this is coming out as a
6: proposed rule versus uh, 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 interim final regulation? Well, uh, in general, rules of this importance, uh, we prefer to have as proposed rules. Uh, there are many stakeholders who care deeply about this. We've conducted numerous listing sessions all over the country, uh, really have reached out for ideas. And the fact that it's a proposed rule is intended to and will have the effect that we'll be able to hear back now from those stakeholders and many others about what they care about and whether we've
7: gotten it right uh so uh it's it's part of the commitment to the public dialogue here thank you. yeah and this this is John Leibowitz from the FTC. we
2: uh almost invariably when we're putting out guidance uh or issuing rules. Um, uh, put it out in draft form because, although uh, you know the the coordination among our agencies uh, here was unprecedented, unprecedented and really um, each agency with their own expertise uh, came to the table with their own expertise. All of us learned from each other. It's also important to, to sort of interact with the stakeholders. And when you put out a proposal, it can be refined. You'll you'll find a few little things that you might want to improve, um, and. Uh, really really ought to work, and just going back to the previous uh uh to the previous question um we also think that um those savings uh could be increased if we end up with uh with uh, competing a c o s uh that uh, uh that uh have vertical and other efficiencies and pass them along to consumers Thank you
1: okay, we'll
3: sure. continue on. Uh, Next up is Susan Denser with Health Affairs. And once again, I want to remind parties, please state your name at the prompting.
0: Good morning. Thanks to all of you. Two quick questions. Could you provide more specificity on the quality metrics ACOs will have to meet? And then also, could you tell us more about uh, how uh, enforcement from FTC and DOG will ensure that ACOs do not end up, uh, as, as payers are very concerned, simply raising prices and uh, consolidating the market.
6: Well, the commitment to quality measurement and monitoring is very strong here. It's necessary in a shared savings environment. Uh, we proposed in the rule uh, 65 quality measures, uh, quite a large number, and we're used in establishing the quality standards the ACOs have to meet. Uh, the measures will span five quality domains among the 65. Uh, Measurements of patient experience of care, including reports from patients, uh, care coordination metrics, metrics of patient safety, measured metrics of uh, preventive health work, and uh, metrics of the way at-risk and frail elderly populations are cared for. Uh, So it's a it's a strong uh, commitment to careful and uh, rather broad-scale quality quality measurement. And this is
0: Attorney General Christine Varney, Assistant Attorney General, DOJ. And I would have to add that we believe there's no area of the economy that can benefit more from collaboration than in healthcare. By forming an ACO, one is not exempt from the antitrust laws. Those who collaborate to fix prices uh, inappropriately will be prosecuted. ACOs provide the opportunity when they are well-run and well-established to bring affordable care to more patients at a lower cost. And we are committed to working with those who wish to do so. We will be issuing guidance today on how any enterprise that wants to form an ACO can do so consistent with the antitrust laws. Our goals here are to support those providers who want to bring health care to all Americans at reasonable cost. And I think working closely with our colleagues across the government, we will achieve that goal.
2: Yeah, this is John Lewis. Let me just follow up on what uh, uh, Assistant Attorney General Barney said. I mean, there's a, if you look at our guidance, which we're putting out today, um, you can see that, first, uh, we've developed a review process that is very much expedited, and that, include, and that includes ACOs that may have a large uh, share of the market. I think both agencies are committed uh, to completing these reviews uh, within 90 days, and, and that'll allow uh, decisions to be made by these companies quickly and them to move into uh, these ACOs to actually get up and running sooner rather than later. Um, second, as, as, as Christine pointed out, we've outlined uh, certain conduct that ACOs can avoid to reduce the potential for antitrust problems. For example, providers uh, could avoid restrictions should avoid restrictions that prevent payers uh, from sharing information with their insurers about uh, about providers' quality and costs. And this is entirely new guidance for healthcare providers. And I think it's a major step forward, and uh, Administrator Berwick gets enormous and should get enormous credit for working on, on, on this with us. Third, um, we created a safe harbor uh, for shared savings ACOs that don't raise market power concerns. That's if they're under 30% uh, or less. Um, and it's a little bit broader, by the way, than the current safe harbor we have, as Christine knows, in our joint healthcare care policy statements. Uh, and this was, again... Um, in direct response uh, to uh, provider comments, we did a uh, with uh, with uh, HHS and uh, CMS and the Inspector General uh, from HHS. We did a workshop uh, several months ago uh, at at uh, uh, the uh, CMS Baltimore campus, um, and uh, and finally uh, we really have. And again, I I don't mean to. You can't really overstate this. It's just been an unprecedented amount of cooperation, and we've coordinated our requirements for clinical integration with CMS. And as a practical matter, um, if ACOS uh, in the Shared Savings Program meet the CMS eligibility criteria for clinical integration, um, they are not going to be uh, uh, subject to uh, uh, the most strict kind of antitrust uh, review. They're going to be subject to what's what's known as the more lenient. Um, rule of reason. so um, as 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 Christine pointed out um, you know we're going to continue to be vigorous in enforcing the antitrust laws uh, we actually just uh, want a preliminary junction to block what we believe to be an anti-competitive hospital merger in Toledo and you'll see more cases like that going forward uh, but uh, uh, we are also um, uh, but we are also committed to making the ACO uh, the system which really is a a brave new experiment. Uh, uh, We're committed to making it work, and and I think it will. And just one more point, and then I'll I'll stop alleviating, um, which is uh, that one of the most important things here is that CMS is going to be collecting data on whether the ACOs, uh, in fact, will be improving quality or lowering costs, and that's really going to help us evaluate uh, whether our clinical integration criteria are the right ones uh, again, we're going to have the data to check, and that's going to make this process, uh, I-, I-, I think, even more meaningful.
6: Uh, and this okay. is on Burke again. I just want to uh, add my thanks uh, and admiration to the agencies that we've been working with the FTC, DOJ, IRS, and OIG. The work has, has been uh, extraordinarily uh, uh, generous and and complete in its uh, in its. Next
3: question comes from Excuse me, Amy Goldstein with the Washington Post Your line is now open. Go ahead, ma'am. Uh thank you
0: very much. I have two questions. First, could one of you please explain with some specificity how the cost sharing provisions will work? And uh secondly, as you look out over time, um and I know that this is unknowable, but what's your best expectation as to how prevalent ACOs will be within view for service Medicare?
6: Um This is Don. Thanks, thanks, Amy. Uh Cost-sharing provisions uh, work uh, first uh, the following way. There there are two tracks proposed in the rule. Our aim is to create on-ramps that will allow many to participate, depending on the different kinds of levels of maturity and platforms they're starting with. Uh, Track one uh, will allow organizations to participate on a shared savings-only model that is only upside gain uh, for two years of the three-year contract period, after which in year three upside and downside, both gains and potential losses. That's a, a lower, uh, a, a more gradual on-ramp for organizations not yet prepared to accept risk. Track two, organizations will be able to join a year one uh, with both upside and May want to clarify or add any uh, details there. Okay, we're all set. Great. Next question, please. One moment.
0: Next up is Elizabeth uh, Stanwick with uh, Public Radio. Hi, this is Elizabeth Stanwick from NPR. I have a follow up question. Brent Haywood and Keith Cassell did a study that was recently released in the New England Journal of Medicine that found that about five of the 10 ACOs they studied didn't achieve savings in the first three years, that there were actually higher costs. Um, why is your estimate different?
6: Um, first of all, we have some experience on shared savings with the uh, PGP, the uh your practice demonstration project, and that's kind of foundational to our understanding of some of the dynamics that may come into play. Uh, the ACO rule offers more shared savings and better opportunities than that, and these are estimates that are coming from the Office of the Actuary. They are estimates only. Understand the model that generates these estimates is rather complex, and there's uncertainty as to exactly how this will play out. John, do you want to add any details?
7: Yeah, I would just add a lot of that uh, study was based off finding or uh, experience from the PGP demonstration, but uh, that also actually was a, a, a different model as well um, than what we're proposing here today um, on a number of uh, on a number of fronts. Um, and the actuaries took those uh, considerations into account in sort of modeling the estimates under uh,
3: this program, which has higher sharing rates um, and, and a number of other provisions. Next question. Next
0: question comes from Donna Smith
3: of Reuters. Go ahead, ma'am.
0: Hi, thank you. Um, for a a medical care patient that finds him or herself in an ACO, how is that person going to be reassured that this is not like the old HMOs that some people have had some bad experiences with in the past? Uh, thanks for
6: the question, Donna. Uh, remember that the the patient or beneficiary does not join the ACO; the provider does. Uh, see so the ACO. Uh, Provider has is a member of the ACO. The patient, the the beneficiary, has not lost.
3: bring us up to date on your own um, uh, tenure with CMS? How long are you going to be there and, and what happens next for you? What's the, the leadership transition if you're going to leave? And the other question was, how, are there limits on how large or consolidated some of these ACOs could become? Thanks.
6: Uh, well, this call is about the ACOs. If you'd like to talk about your other question, please get back in touch with us, and I'll be happy to try to arrange to speak with you. Um, with respect to the size or going back to Amy Goldstein's earlier question, how many ACOs? We don't know. Uh, this, the, from the responses to the proposed rule, we'll understand what kind of uh, uh, avidity there is out there in the in the uh, marketplace to get involved in what I think is this very important uh, new, new format for care. We know that the level of activity uh, in, the, uh, in the general healthcare market right now around ACO types before we've ever issued this rule is very, very high. I sense the interest is enormous and I I uh, expect and hope there will continue to be interest. In terms of size, there is a minimum threshold size for the ACO, Under, with very few exceptions. Uh, y- you can only form an ACO if the attributed number of beneficiaries is 5,000 or more. So that kind of will set a, a floor on the size of the aggregates that have to form in order to come forward to be uh, ACOs. Uh, there are ways for uh, critical access hospitals to be involved and for uh, physicians in distributed practices by aggregating, but the that threshold number of 5,000 5, beneficiaries at least will define more or less the low, low end of the size of the ACO. Is that right, Tom? Yes, correct.
3: Are you ready for your last question?
4: Yes, thanks,
3: Sheena. Okay, hey, uh, Julian McCull with the hail, go ahead.
4: Oh, yeah, thanks for taking my question.
7: Uh, a lot of different provider groups, oncologists, home health, et cetera, um, you know, wanted to
6: be part of this. Could you? briefly explain who who is going to be allowed to create an
7: ACO is responsible for um, the total A, Part A and Part B expenditures for the patient, so it'll be critical and incumbent on um, while uh, patients will be aligned with ACOs based on primary care to coordinate
4: with all the We really appreciate it, and thank you to all our federal agency partners uh, for participating in the call. Just a reminder that this call will be available on a loop in about an hour's time. Uh, The phone number to call in is 866-517-3730. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Thanks so much, John. You did a great job.
1: Well, there you have it. Awesome call. Great overview. 400-plus pages now to review, and we're pulling together a special edition of ACO Watch, uh, ACO Watch uh, a Midweek Review tomorrow. And I've got a few people lined up that you may recognize from the um, Twitter sphere, uh from the legal side, the medical director side, as well as consulting and HIT side, so we're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to do a preliminary <laughs> deep dive, if you will, into the regs, we're going to allocate portions of the document to look at. So we're going to do a round table tomorrow. The, the actual time is not yet set, but it will be posted on the blog, um, acowatch.com, or if you go direct, it's uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash acowatch. So, yeah, I'm hopelessly addicted to this stuff. And um, I, I was commenting to um, uh, Francine Hardaway at Hardaway, uh, you know, uh, that uh, I I go back to the uh, the context for me is I go back to uh, the blow by blow experience of the Senate Finance Committee hearings uh, pre uh, passage of the act in, in last year. And I mean, that was like exquisite hell. I mean, watching the theater you know, that was going on there between those who were actually trying to make a contribution and those whose sole agenda was to stand in the way of any progress. And that added as many procedural obstacles as you could possibly imagine, up to and including the most inane amendments. So at that point, you know, it was looking pretty um, shaky that we were going to have actually a law passed at some point, which meaningfully impacted um, the health reform, health system redesign imperative that we face uh, uh that we have faced for the last 30 30 years or so since i've been in this business so um that's it over and out today look for the update tomorrow we'll have a round table and uh, who knows um since this is the first round of uh, rules god knows how many series there will be there's obviously going to be public input and uh, we will um we will stay on at acowatch.com. Thanks again for listening in. And we are going to log off on this impromptu session today. So take care and look for us tomorrow. Bye now.